What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Fandom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am joined by Lori, Michael, and Anthony, and we are discussing The Boys, Season 2, Episode 5. The title is We Gotta Go Now. Initial thoughts before we get into it. Um, I'm wondering if, if awkward awkward Homelander sex things are going to be as common as Huey getting blood spattered in every episode. No. Those scenes are so weird. The last two episodes, we've gotten some questionable stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Questionable, weird, like, you know, fetish stuff, but it's okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, I'm definitely definitely thinking there's going to be a lot of weird weird Homelander Stormfront stuff. So, actually, I guess my question is, uh, Laurie, though, from what you read so far, is there was was there a homosexual relationship between Homelander and Stormfront since he was a blonde-haired white guy in the comics? No, I, I can't remember if it was or not. I meant to look that up. But I was wondering the same thing. Because it, it just seems like there's something there, you know? Yeah. Like, un- unless that's like a really big edit to the canon, like that's pretty huge. Yeah, well, it could be. I mean, if if you, I'm gonna get a little nerdy here. If you look at what happened, do you remember the comp of the authority uh, with Midnighter in them? I've heard of Midnighter. Yeah. Yeah, they that that is a couple. Uh, that is a same sex couple, and he one of the two was basically Superman. And the other one was basically a second tier, lower, almost a little bit lower Superman type character. Uh, very patriotic on one side. Um, I see similarities with that. But other than that, I, I'd have to go back and pull out my issues and look. Well, that's very similar to what happened in, um, well, it's for different reasons, but in, in Watchmen, the HBO series. Did you guys see that? I haven't finished watching it. Oh, okay, well, then I'll stop. No, you can go ahead because oh, I, okay. I've, I've seen like various spoilers here and there. And I do plan to watch it, so I don't mind getting spoiled. No, just that um, one of the characters was in a homosexual relationship with, well, superhero was in a homosexual relationship with another superhero who was pretty popular. Sort of a similar type thing. Hmm, okay. I still want, well, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out in later episodes, but I still kind of wonder why Stormfront's character was changed male to female for the TV show. Um, so you're laughing like you know something, but no spoilers. Okay, no spoilers. No spoilers. All right, let's get into the episode. First of all, we start off with this cheesy movie. Why does it seem like, or is it is it just me, or does it seem like when they're doing media within the show or media within media, the media, the the news and the the protests and all of the interviews and the movie, is it just me, or does it seem like? extra cheesy like it's supposed to be extra bad but this is supposed to be like the popular stuff yeah the movie was bad like that was just like over the top ridiculousness and you can see like homelander i know homelander had a had a hand in like her outing like being in the relationship and how how corny and forced it kind of seemed to me for queen Maeve, yeah yeah and just, I mean, you, you, it's going to be over the top, but it's like, I'm actually surprised that they're starring in it themselves. Like, they don't have, like, other actors in it. I guess that's just to 
bring up their brand, but it, it seems like they, they would have more stand-ins in it. Well, to sometimes, well, it seems to me that they're doing a lot of different things, and it seemed to me that it's sort of a poke at Zack Snyder and the Dawn of Justice. You know, it's the Dawn of the Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. It looks saying, yeah. just as cheesy. Those nod to Joss Whedon writing it, so right, right, <laughs> and, and and I think that's intentional. And also, um, uh, along with all the other stuff, like the protests, and you know, I know we'll talk about her later, but Congresswoman Newman being similar similar to AOC. That's what I said too. Yeah, it, it, it seems like they're pulling a lot of their story and background stuff from what's actually happening in the real world. It sort of makes it easier to relate, but then it also shows the ridiculousness of some of the things that we have to deal with. I agree. Um, and having Katie Couric on there and having... <laughs> um, um, is Rachel Maddow like the one of the news people voiceovers on there? It's, it's really interesting. Huh. Yeah. I don't think I noticed that. I didn't notice yeah. it well, either. We but... watched it with closed captioning and it'll say... Rachel Maddow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Unless I'm confusing it with a different show, but I I think it is. No, because they they seem to be using a lot of our real world media people for the show. Like they had Maria Menounos last episode, uh, like you said, Katie Couric. You know, they referenced um, Ellen and Portia in this episode. So, (laughs) right. So So it is possible. So, so obviously, they're existing within our reality, which is weird, but okay, yeah. But that that whole movie thing, it was, it was very uncomfortable. It was very badly acted, which I guess is the purpose. You know, we're we're talking about superheroes that are movie stars, and you know, I guess that's that's the whole thing with them. But I think the the thing that really makes me uncomfortable is the forced acknowledgement of Queen Maeve's sexuality and the way that they just they just threw it in into that one little line in the movie and then it was on to something else, which was really poorly done. But again, it's kind of indicative of how controlling Homelander is. And even though he's saying that he's happy for Maeve and you know he wants her relationship to succeed and stuff, you know something else is going on. He's like, he's making it very clear that he is bothered by this whole reveal. Maybe, maybe not even in the sense that she's gay, but just in the fact that she kept that from him and that he had to go digging to find it out. You know, we, we see that Homelander does not like being kept out of the loop for anything. So. Yeah, I think his biggest issue was she kept it from him. And we're learning that one of his biggest problems is he's all powerful and he thinks he should know everything. And if you keep something from him, then that's an affront to him. And he can't, he can't um, allow that to happen. And then he punishes you for it. Yeah. And it's like, it's just like, like with the, with the previous episode, it's like forcing someone to come out of the closet is just showing power. I mean, it's just, really a douche move and it but it's something to make him put him back into control of a situation that he had no business being in in the first place so it so yeah he definitely has has a control problem but it's like 
still, it, he has to be, but he's not smart enough to figure out a way around it other than through it. So if there's a problem, he's going to take the most direct way. If it, no matter who it hurts, no matter what destruction he causes, he's going to take the most direct route through to get to his side of the problem. But I'm also wondering if he's kind of using Queen Maeve as like a scapegoat. You know, there were questions raised at the end of last episode with uh, Doppelganger turning into, you know, Homelander and that whole weird scene at the end. And, you know, Lori kind of brought up the fact that maybe Homelander may be gay or maybe bi, and we don't know. And obviously he seemed to be uncomfortable with that possibility when he killed Doppelganger. And I'm wondering if he outed Maeve and the, the behavior that he's exhibiting and forcing her to like reveal it to everyone and forcing her to just kind of live in that truth if that is his way of deflecting from his own possible truth. Well, I, I don't know because it isn't as if he's shown attraction to men before. It was Doppelganger saying, well, if you love anyone, it's yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and we know that he is extremely narcissistic extremely and if if and the only thing well it seems to me that 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 bothers him more i think it's like michael said he wants to control the situation queen mave is probably the only person who could literally stand up to him and he has to control her and on the flip side of that he's also about the numbers and he's also about keeping their ratings up so they can make money Remember, this movie is a propaganda machine to boost their numbers and to boost their popularity. Um, That's like the movie they did during first season, which was about his life. You know, he was upset about them talking about the things. Well, didn't that kind of lead to him finding out about his son when when they were doing the movie about him growing up and where he lived and all of that? With his blanket and stuff? Yeah, all that is part of a propaganda machine. And to him, you know, he wants to punish her. Well, the marketing department looks at it and says, well, what's the best way we, we can benefit from this? And that's what we out her and we bring Elena into it and we do all these things and make it about, you know, numbers and make it about popularity, which is what he's for. You know, to him, well, yeah, he is controlling her. He is punishing her. But on the flip side of that, it is beneficial to the overall brand that they're trying to build up and make money off of. So I I think it has less to do with his feelings, maybe his own homosexual feelings, because I don't, I think that's more about his narcissism than about deflecting it to her being gay. I think that bothers him that she kept it from him and not told him. And I think that bothers him more than anything. But it also gives him another way to control her because that way, how he controls people around him is by threatening their loved ones. Yeah, and it's like, I think the the manifestation of his narcissism really threw him, as more, more so than it being a guy in front of him. It's mm-hmm. like, he was really... Because he was, it was like he was like, wait, I'm not really gay, but I'm extremely attracted to him because he's me. Not letting him. Are, are we really doing this? Then he was like, well, wait, hold on, hold on, no, 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 we're not doing this. Even though he, even though he got really, really close to allowing that to happen and fading to black, and I was like, oh, damn, that would have been messed up. 
Yeah. I think it's really screwed up too that they're now bringing Elena into all of this. Right. Um, it's, it's one thing to control Maeve and, you know, I, I kind of wonder if he's doing it because as much as he's trying to weed out the seven and trying to get rid of those who are not performing well or, you know, I guess who have interests that conflict with his, I believe he needs Maeve in the seven. Like if she, you know, you can do without the deep, you can do without a train, you know, Starlight represents that Christian faction. So you kind of need her. But I think Maeve is kind of like, aside from Homelander, she's the center of the group. And I think she's the, like you said, she's the one who would stand up to him if needed. I mean, she, she tried to stand up to him when it came to the plane that he downed uh, last season so, you know, now it's not about just controlling her and what she does. He's about to control every aspect of her life by trying to pull Elena into it. And even when Elena says, I don't want to be a part of this, Ashley tells her, oh, you'll be, you, you know, you'll be compensated. She's like, I'm not for sale. Hmm. And I don't think she understands yet. It's not about them bringing her in. It's not about her being a part of the team. It's about Homelander having control of every aspect of Maeve's life so that she would do whatever it is that he wants her to do. And we still don't know what that is yet. He's still putting on this fake, you know, this fake happiness for her, just making it seem like, oh, no, this, I just want you to live your truth. I want you to be honest. And we know that that's not Homelander. Well, if you think about it, there's only two people that he's ever trusted. And that was Maeve and Ms. Steelwell. And Steelwell betrayed him and he killed her. And he probably realized that that was a mistake. So he's not going to kill Maeve, but he is going to punish her for not being completely honest with him. Right. Because yeah, think about it. She's been with him since basically the beginning. You know, they, they are. And I, I wonder, did he say, you know, I, that he trusted her? But to me, I would think she's been by his side, even through all the things that she didn't want to do or that he made her do, it was her. Right. So from his perspective, those were the two people that he absolutely trusted. Right. And, the other thing and, is, yeah. is it implied that they are supposed to be kind of like in a relationship, but not? Because the way that she speaks to him, you know, especially like when he found out about Elena, she was like, I broke it off when I met you. And just other little references I've noticed since the beginning of the show. Are they supposed to be together? Like, is that the public persona they're supposed to have? And is that supposed to be a reality behind doors? Because we've only ever seen him in a relationship or something similar to a relationship with Madeline. But it's always implied when they speak to each other or when they're doing press together. I think it's probably implied because I mean out of I don't think there have been any other women in the seven except for Starlight and now Stormfront. And it's kind of, it's kind of one plus one with them because they're both strong, both both the two of the strongest characters in there. So mo- a lot of people probably ship it. So mm-hmm. it was probably something where they're like, Okay, sure. Will they or won't they? Kind of like right, exactly. There's yeah, probably, probably a whole thing. lot of that, like you know, and you know they're always they always do press together and they always like make appearances together. So they're like, oh, there's got to be something there. So I'm sure they probably played it up too, like mm-hmm. you know, like kind of kind of play. And they place like, the numbers, yeah. Like like they play like they're really close, but they're not really close. So they're like, okay, we see them together all the time. They work together, so there has to be something there. 
is there? So it's like it's kind of it's kind of like a keep them guessing kind of thing. So I'm sure I'm almost positive it's on purpose. Hmm. Okay. Well, since we're talking about Homelander, we're gonna move on. So Ashley interrupts his banter with Queen Maeve to show him a video that was taped on a cell phone. And it's of an incident where Homelander goes to save a village from a soup terrorist. And he kills the soup terrorist. And in doing so, he also accidentally kills one of the villagers. And it's obvious from his reaction that, yes, this was a mistake. He didn't realize that he had killed the person. But now there are protests around the world, you know, calling Homelander anti-patriotic. They're calling him a killer and all of this other stuff. As much as I want to kind of say, well, you know, that's what you get for being callous, I think it's kind of unfair that they're blaming him for something that was an accident. But then in the same breath that I'm almost feeling sorry for him, he makes it obvious that, okay, he doesn't care about these people. He's more concerned about his numbers. He's more concerned about his perception. When Ashley tells him that his points have dropped by nine, that's what his concern is and not about the person who he killed. I mean, I don't yeah. even know what to say to that. That person is basically collateral damage. I mean, it's almost the same thing with A-Train killing Huey's fiance. It's like he, did, he didn't really feel remorse or anything like that. There was just collateral damage to him in his mission. So I think that you know, Homelander was the same way. He was just like, oh, well, I did what I had to do. Yes, yeah, someone got killed, but whatever. I still accomplished my goal. So yeah. it's just like he just he didn't feel like it was important enough for him to say i'm really sorry about this it shouldn't have happened i was just trying to do the right thing he just he was just like kill the kill the terrorists oh someone died sorry and off it's just like you know it's kind of it's almost like a pattern with pattern with the with the seven now that you know there are people that are going to get killed but it's like so what i gotta go have to accomplish my goal so it's gonna be collateral damage but oh well and then stormfront is right there with her double entendres and her taunting voice. And she just seems to really, really enjoy taunting him. But again, it's kind of like, why is she focused on him? Um, I, well, before we get to that, before we get to that, I, I took some notes. I just wanted to say, this is just another example of Homelander doing whatever he wants to do, right? Because right. Ashley says, why didn't you talk to me before you went to do it? He's like, well, look, I saw a chance to do something good and I went in and went and did it. I mean, boo-hoo if someone got hurt on the side. But I, I also want to say, we give him, Homelander a hard time. And we know that he's crazy. <laughs> we know he's insane. But I think deep down inside, he really wants to do good. Like, he, he, it seems to me that he genuinely wants to do the right thing, but I just don't think he knows how. You think so? <laughs> I, I, right. I, I think he doesn't. I mean, he's not, he's not, he's maladjusted. He doesn't know how the world works. He doesn't really understand the nuances of gray areas, you know? And, and so if there's collateral damage, so what? I, I did the right thing. I killed the super terrorist. I mean, seriously, guys, look, look, look at me. I mean, I'm doing the right thing. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to blame someone for a, a psychosis that was created by other people. 
<laughs> you know, he was he was raised in a terrible environment. He was raised to be a certain way, which brings me to what you said about Stormfront, which I think Stormfront is this. She, we know that she's Liberty. She's mm-hmm. been around a while. She has been. She knows. She she's like. It's the same reason why we. The real reason we don't want teachers messing with kids in schools is because kids are easily manipulated and no matter how you say well he looks like an adult you know he looks like he may be 13 but he looks like he's 21 well he has a mind of a 13 year old just like Homelander he has a mind of a child he's easily manipulated and that's what Stormfront is doing she's manipulating him and yeah. and it's very easy. He, he's she's doing the same thing Madeline did, but in a different way. Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast for episode four. How it seems like Homelander is easily manipulated by the women in his life. You know, because he with, didn't have one growing up. Right. He was raised by Doctor was Vogelboom or whatever Vogelbaum. He was. Yeah. He didn't have that, which is what Butcher's wife is trying to do with his sons. Give him a mother. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe he won't turn out to be like Homelander, but Homelander is jacked up. I mean, he really thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's also got all these other issues. That he- you are way more, I don't want to say forgiving, but yeah, you give, I, th- I think you're giving him a lot more credit than he deserves. <laughs> um, I mean, just because I don't think he's trying to do good because that's what he wants to do. I think he's trying to do good because it'll affect his numbers. It'll affect his perception. At this point, Homelander is still trying to do what he needs to do for his image. I don't think it's about saving people. I don't think it's about, you know, the the promotion that they were doing about the soups saving America. I don't think it's about any of that. I think he's really just trying to do it for him, for what he gets out of it. I just don't... But where did that narcissism come from? That narcissism came from him being raised to think that he was superior to everyone. And it was his responsibility to take care of everyone and to protect America from everyone else in the world and from the bad guys. That's how he was raised. And that's what he's trying to do. And his numbers is just a part of how the world or how Americans are viewing what he's doing. If he's doing the right thing, then his numbers go up. I mean, he's he's completely, yeah, I'm giving him more credit than he deserves, but he wasn't raised in a normal environment. He was created to be what he is. And I understand that, but the thing is, he still knows right from wrong. Like, he knew it was wrong to let that plane full of people go down. He knew it was wrong that he started killing them just because they weren't doing what he wanted or because they were whatever the case was he let a plane full of people go down and he knew that that was wrong but he did it anyway you know and then covered it up think about why did why didn't he save them all and does he really know the difference between right and wrong i mean does he really i mean there is there is there a is his does he know the difference between right and wrong, but they have different definitions for him? Like, he doesn't think, most, uh, 99.99% of people in the world think killing is wrong. But Homelander kills people because they suit his purpose. He doesn't think that's wrong, he thinks that's right. So he has a very different level of understanding of right and wrong. 
But he understands enough to know that killing innocent people is something that's not supposed to be public, and he does what needs to be done to cover that up. That's what makes me think he knows that that's well. Wrong. It's like I say, I, I don't think he understands the nuances of the gray area. Like with the airplane, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like we can't save everyone, and he made the determination. Well, I can't save everyone, and I have to make a decision on who I want to save. That's going to look bad on me no matter what I do. It's a lose-lose. So let's just everybody die because I can't save them all. And that's why Maeve was like, well, let's at least save this one person. He's like, no, if I can't save them all, then there's no point because it's going to be bad. He decided to let the plane go down because he lasered somebody and it was on tape. And they basically started, everybody started yelling at him, screaming at him. And he's like, oh, I'm sitting here trying to help you guys and you're you're turning against me. So how about this? Everybody died. So that's what that was. Okay. Well, now remember. Well, then from from his perspective, it's like, well, I'm trying to do the right thing. I made a mistake and y'all are going to hang me for it. So fuck it. Y'all all died explain something that happened later on in the episode. I was wondering about that. That makes a lot of sense. He doesn't like to be judged because the universal rule for saving people is women and children first. But apparently he doesn't didn't know that. But that that makes a lot of sense because I was wondering it just seemed to me that he really not that he cared about killing people off camera so to speak, but like you said he doesn't want to get caught more than anything. I think that if he could get away with killing someone in front of everyone and the person was not a supervillain and they died, I don't think he would feel bad about it. I think he went from taught to maybe trying to be good to no longer being good to literally being tired of being good and just wants everything his way. Well, yeah, that's in his, that's in his DNA, definitely. Every, every, everything going his way is in his DNA. Like, anything that goes wrong, he kind of loses it. You see that, and when, when he goes to try to calm the crowd down, and he uh, he imagines himself lasering a, lasering a swath of dead bodies in front of him, then he, go, then he goes into the tunnels, and he starts crying and, like, breaking down. It's like, it's because nothing's going to, because everything's going to shit. And he's like, I can't, he's like, it's something that he can't handle and that he can't fix. So, it's, so he's just... So he breaks down and he has n- he doesn't know what to do. So that's why he goes to Stormfront and is like, "Fine, help me," because he really didn't want her to help. He he he's the type he wanted to be the one who saves everybody himself. But when he but he finally realized that he couldn't do it, and he had to go to Stormfront, a a woman for help. I think I think that kind of that kind of um, tilted him a little bit. And it kind of seems like that's what Stormfront was trying to get. Like like you said before, with her kind of subconsciously manipulating him to see things her way, to do things, do things that she wanted him to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting that after all of that taunting that she's done to him and like she's been pretty much campaigning or protesting against Vought and against everything that Vought stands for. And, you know, she's been very verbal about, you know, just kind of bringing Homelander down a peg in public for him to turn around and go to her for help. That just, I don't know if I want to say it seems out of character for him, but it's, it was kind of like, I felt like it was almost him admitting defeat. Like, okay, I can't win this game. Let me go see what she's got to offer. And she, you know, she's been offering more than just help. 
the last couple of episodes. It's well, kind of like she's tearing him down, and then at the same time, she's offering, she's being very flirtatious with him, and she's, you know, basically offering herself to him. It's like a very abusive relationship, and that's well, you, before the other stuff happens. Well, game recognize game. <laughs> and, I, and I think... And I, you about to I make Lori choke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you look at it, she's she's manipulating him. She's basically saying, look, if things mess up, you can always come to me. She's not offering him help. She's not offering to do things for him. She's like, you know, it's whatever. She's doing whatever she wants to do. She's flicking her face and her thumb or whatever in the face of Vought. She's, she's going around saying whatever, doing whatever. And he's looking at her like, wow, maybe, maybe there is something there. And so, of course, when things go to, you know, he hits rock bottom, he goes to her for help. You know, well, yeah, because she seems to know what she's doing. Yeah, but the funny thing is she's not offering him help. Like the last episode, she literally said, I, you know, I can be anything you want. Or I yeah. can help you, or you can come to me for anything. And she said it very in a very pointed way. And then even in this episode, when she starts taunting him about the video and he tells her, I don't need your help. She says, okay, I'm here when you want me, you know, and that's so different from I'm here if you need me. It's like very well, She's pointed. making herself available for whatever he needs. She trying to seduce not... him. <laughs> Period, point blank. She trying to get the D. <laughs> No, I, I I think she's doing what Madeline and Mr. Edgar understands is he needs to be controlled, you know, and and you do what you can you do what you can to control him. Madeline knew what to do. Stormfront has been around for a long time. She's probably known for a long time, and now she's in the seven, and next to him, she knows how to manipulate him. I mean, this is not something new to her. She's been around for a while. And speaking, are, are we going to get to talk about this woman in a minute? Which or one? Storm, Stormfront. Yeah, we can talk about it right now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, which party trying to talk about though? Um, well, she's blatantly. It's blatantly obvious that she's a racist. I mean, yes, thanks. And and. And for someone who has been around as long as she has and, and killing that woman's brother. Right. Yeah, that was last episode, right? Yes. We learned about that. It it it's painfully obvious that, that her agenda is 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 much I, I guarantee you she's behind the air train being kicked out. I, I I really believe that she's really behind it. I'm sure Homelander probably didn't want him there anymore either. But I, I'm probably sure because just how she was talking to him. The the like, conversation, yeah. yeah and that, and A train picked up on it real quick. He was yeah. like, "Yeah, that was coded, uh, coded out the yin yang." Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, in in see the stuff that she says to um, Starlight, it's, she's clearly a supremacist. Clearly. And and Starlight even called her out on it. She was like, "What white power?" And she's like, no, soups. You're trying to get your own kind, but yeah, she's hella racist. Yeah, and and some of the worst racist and supremacists are the ones who who know how to manipulate people, and that is what Stormfront is. She knows how to manipulate public opinion. She knows how to manipulate individuals, and she even said to Stormfront, she was like, look, you're gonna be really of use to me, 
Like I wouldn't I wasn't expecting her to say that to Stormfront. Like uh to Starlight. To Starlight. Yes. Yeah. Y'all are arguing back and forth and she's like, Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna need you. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> threw me off too. I'm like, how is that gonna work? Like what could she possibly but I, I mean, who knows? I don't even I don't I don't even try to guess what Stormfront is doing now. I'm just kinda like, okay, just take me on the ride. Just let me see where this is going. Yeah. Well, Stormfront is trying to take over the seven. I mean, she she is literally she she's going to control Homelander. She's kicking out your train, and she'll be able to manipulate Homelander to get whoever she wants into the seven. And whatever agenda she has is going to come to the front. You know, we we talked about someone trying to take over the seven and take over Vought. I really think Stormfront is the linchpin and all that. Yeah. But is she, is she working for herself or is she working for someone else? Because again, here's my take on it. Stormfront has been very publicly saying things against Vought and inciting riots against Vought and turning public opinion against Vought. And yet Vought is not doing anything about it. Like when the other suits get into trouble or they do things that are problematic for the company, they handle it. They cover up Homelander's bad deeds. They covered up for A-Train. They sent the deep to Ohio when, you know, the accusations of him being, you know, a sexual uh, abuser came out. But with Stormfront, nothing. Well, look at it like this. If, let's take Huey's metaphor about her being like a Catholic priest, that they're moving around because of the things that she has done. Okay then for them to allow her to be on the seventh means that they really need her to be in the seventh and there isn't anything that they can really do about what she's doing because at this point there it's it's almost like we talked about mr Egger hitting that brick glass in case of emergencies right they've done it and it's stormfront so you just got to roll the dice and see what happens but they hit they broke the glass they pulled the emergency switch and now she's a member of the Seven. And they're not going to stop her. They're not going to gag her. They're going to let her do what she wants to do and needs to do to get the ship or the train right back on the track because that was it. I mean, they pulled the emergency lever, and there she is. So I don't think there's anything she can do that will cause Vought to get rid of her or do anything about it. I think this is it for them. This, She's the Hail Mary. Homelander is out of freaking control. Homelander is a time bomb waiting to explode and they need her to defuse the situation. So Mr. Edgar pulled that emergency switch and we see what they got, what they got them at the last bit of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. I I told you I'm not easily broken. You know what I mean? (laughs) That whole scene was... Okay, so we've been... Like Mike said, we've been talking about these banana sex scenes in this show. You know, you you have that weird exchange in the last episode with Homelander and his doppelganger self, and then you've got this really brutal, really graphic sex scene at the end of the episode between Homelander and Stormfront. And, I mean, literally... I don't know. When she said, stop being a pussy and laser my tits, it was like, right. What? It it just, it, it took everything to a whole other level. And then the, it was just, 
But also at the same time, I'm not really surprised at what went on because I feel like that was the time when Homelander saw that he had someone who maybe was equal to him and then also someone who he could 100% be himself around. You, you get what I'm saying? It's like with everybody else, he's kind of having to, you know, you have to pretend like you're nice here. You have to put on this public face there. Even with Madeline, he had to portray a certain image. And I think with the death of Doppelganger at the end of the episode where he basically killed Doppelganger while he was disguised as him, it was kind of like him killing that part of himself, the part that he felt was weak, the part that he felt was conditioned. And now with Stormfront, he can he can be his honest, cruel self without being judged. You know, like like Lori says, he doesn't like being judged. And I think now with Stormfront, he feels like he doesn't have to be. And it's still a weird dynamic. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's something that he can get into because I don't think there's, I mean, him and Stormfront, that's some, I think that's a, that's a dynamic that where he doesn't have to hold back anymore. Like they, like, they were literally beating the crap out of each other around the room and up and down and around, but he could, he could let go. So I think that's something that she can offer him instead of him thinking that, you know, I have to, I have to be restrained. He, with her, he has no restraints, which is unbelievably dangerous because mm-hmm. if, if she's, if she's on his side and is taking away his inhibitions and like, you know, turning turning his safe mode off when he's around her. I mean, that's that's a that's a recipe for mass destruction. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like you you have somebody who is reasonably under control and that's where Madeline was was like kind of keeping him keeping him grounded and centered and not letting him letting him out of letting him out of a box where he could do a great deal of harm. But if he has someone who's encouraging it and is pushing him to do these things, then that's just making it getting getting ready to make like something happen that's going to be incredibly damaging and just and damn near disastrous for everyone else. That's about to be nice. Yeah, hundred percent. Lori, what did you think about that end scene? <laughs> Well, I, I agree that it seems like we're we're gonna get something like this almost every episode. It didn't bother <laughs> me as much as the last one did, but I will admit it was very weird. But at the same time, I can I can you could you could physically see Homelander, and I'm gonna use a bad word, relaxing. <laughs> but I don't mean it that way. I mean <laughs> I can see him coming off of this like this edge where he was gonna just go and destroy and kill and do anything he can to take everyone down around him because he wasn't happy. He wasn't getting the attention that he wanted. He wasn't being loved and adored and his ego wasn't being boosted up. So watching that, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. Same thing with Madeline, you know, season one. He needs somebody in his life who can get him to the place where Quite frankly, he doesn't want to kill everybody. I mean, it, that's literally what it is. You know, he needs something that will basically keep him under control. And I, I, I thought that um, 
it was interesting because now we've got this dynamic where she's got her hooks into him and she can basically uh, do whatever she wants as far as telling him, you know, whispering in his ear saying, well, what about this? And what about that? And, you know, and because he likes to be popular, she can say, well, if we do this, then we can have this happen. And, and as much as he's the leader, I get the idea that if someone gives him a good enough idea that could benefit him 100%, he is 200% behind it. Yeah. yeah. I get that. But I don't know. That, that, that dynamic is, I feel like that's a partnership that is a disaster for everyone waiting to happen. Like nothing good can come out of that partnership. No, never, no. definitely not. Especially with Stormfront probably having an agenda to use to use Homelander in certain certain ways. I mean, to have two powerful soups like like teaming up together to do things that aren't necessarily in anyone's best interest is a very dangerous thing. Going on to other soups, uh, real quick, they did A Train so wrong. I mean, Homelander couldn't even be bothered to be in the goodbye speech scene. They did him so wrong. Well, he brought it on himself. I mean, where's the lie? I mean, you were shooting up V. You are no longer as fast as you were because your heart isn't as good as it was. I mean, you're you're done, you know? Unfortunately, I, I think... I think they missed an opportunity for improving their numbers. I mean, here's a guy they can they could have done all this stuff about drug addiction and done community outreach and and use A Train as a poster child for recovery and rehabilitation. But you know, hmm. Lander is a jerk and he wanted him off the team. And I wonder again, I wonder if Stormfront had anything to do with it, because she's obviously a racist. But they they missed an opportunity, and I I think he sort of sensed that himself. Like, why are you guys trying to get rid of me? Right. But but we know that Homelander is about image and 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 them being perfect and how they're supposed to look. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate for him, but it isn't anything that he didn't do to himself. You know, that his own narcissism got him caught up. Yeah. Which, which is going to push him to the church, you know. Uh, and, and we'll see how that how that works out for him. Yes, yeah, a nice lead-in for him actually looking at the um, looking at the at um the deeps video, and then mm-hmm. like and shaking his head, and then finding out that Stormfront was a member of the church. Until they started letting the riffraff in. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, so. like you said, he's like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she's just so. It's the way that she gives out her information and the way that she speaks to people. It's funny and not funny at the same time because she's looking at him like, and she's, you know, she's sipping on this, uh, this smoothie or whatever. And she's like, oh, you know what I mean? And he immediately picks up on the bullshit that she's been. He's like, oh, what do you mean? Do you have a problem? And, you know, he's confronting her. She's like, no. But it's so obvious, like, I mean, we're all Black people. We know what that that kind of, you know, veiled aggression is. Yes. So 
I, I don't know if that's going to be something that will be addressed between the two of them. I don't think we've seen the last of A-Train, you know, as far as being a part of the seven. But again, like, like you were saying, Anthony, I know that it's kind of confusing for him as well, too, because no one knew about his drug use. Like, aside from the people at Vaught and maybe the people on at, you know, in the seven, nobody knew he was using compound V. Nobody knew about his heart attack because they spun it in the press that he was off on a secret mission. So it is kind of like, okay, why am I the one being dismissed? My my dirty laundry hasn't been aired. Like no one knows he killed Popclaw except for Starlight. No one knew about all that other stuff. So it's just kind of like they're targeting him unnecessarily and unfairly, which of course we as the viewers, we know that's not true. But, you know, I mean, still, if you want to talk about the scale of one to evil, A-Train, I feel like is kind of on the lower part of the scale in terms of, you know, if you compare him to Homelander and Stormfront. And right now, those two for me are kind of neck and neck because we don't know exactly how bad Stormfront was before we knew she was Stormfront. We don't, you know, aside from that one incident as Liberty that we know about, we don't know about anything else that she's done yet. So right now she's kind of neck and neck with Homelander on the extremely evil scale, in my opinion. Yeah, like I said before about A Train, A Train is all about the merchandising and the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know that that's his deal. He's trying to make money. He's trying to sell shoes. He's trying to sell apparel. That's that's his thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's just like just kind of a recurring theme. It's like he's afraid of losing. Losing that and having to go back to the life that he had. It's like mm-hmm. he, it's like they're even saying like he he wants to go back home in the movie, but you know for a fact he does not want, he want to go that. back home. Like that that's all. I think that that's one of the main things. Even I don't think he had as much a problem with the sappy lines as with probably that specific line because that's the one where he, that's the one thing that he's really afraid of that he doesn't want to do and doesn't want to have to do. But that's the place he's being forced with especially with Ashley putting him in his place when he told her that he wasn't doing the line that's the first time this whole show that Ashley has had some balls it grew a spine I was like oh okay I I was I was literally surprised that it took her this long to do it because I mean just like her job's on the line why aren't you doing more like but I mean I I get it that she's not Madeline and she doesn't have any any kind of control over Homelander, so she really has to watch who she approaches like that. So it's really easy to approach A Train like that because she had something to hold over his head. Yeah, like, she had leverage. Yeah, she yeah. had like his his severance package and all that other stuff. But she was yeah. like, you know, you, you messed this, you messed this up. You ain't getting shit. So I think she also did that on purpose. I think it was just kind of to get back at him because when she, you know, when they told him he was out. You know, he made that comment to her, you used to get my coffee, you know, and I think I think it just kind of maybe felt a little bit like poetic justice for her to be able to say, I'm the one who controls how you get out of here. Oh, 100%. Because you see, next scene, he's doing his farewell speech, which I happen to like. That was probably the 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 most realistic quote unquote movie scene out of all of the, the movie stuff they were shooting. That was the it was the best. It was the one that seemed most sincere. 
which yeah. is also why I feel like it was it sucked because Homelander couldn't even be bothered to be in that scene. You know, they had to stand in. Yeah, well, I think it was real for him, except for the part about going home. But I think the rest of it, he he, I think he really does maybe feel like he needs to take a moment and and get himself together. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But I also think that he, I mean, especially like after he did the scene and the director came and was was praising him, he was like, "You want to shoot more time? Because we can shoot one more time." He was like. No, nah, it's good. It was like, all right, we go, and everybody and everybody snapped to him and went around like he didn't like like he was done. Like, okay, they didn't even, they didn't even say you know, all right, that all right, that's a wrap on A Train. Everybody give him a hand. Right. Yeah, they. I, I think like, A Train read the room. Yeah, he kind of, especially after what Ashley said to him. I think he basically just felt like, okay, you know what? They really don't want me here. Let me just take my dignity and go. You know what little I have left and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. poor guy. Oh, I still don't think that's. I don't. I don't think that's the end for him. No, it was definitely not. I think we're. I mean, because well, once we get to once we get to the next episode. <clears throat> well, we saw yeah. him watching the the video about the church, so he's probably going to feel that call to to go to the church and see what's going on there. Yeah, and they're they're trying. They claim that they're trying to help the deep get back into the seven so maybe they'll do the same with a train if he goes that route right speaking of deep (laughs) he's married now he's doing interviews with his new wife and i just i still don't know like what i don't know what to think about this character like I know he's a creep. He, you know, he has a he has a really shady past. His sexual abuse of women and all this other stuff. But it's still like I don't know. Well, we I don't have, know what we're supposed to think about about this character. Well, we have learned that he hates himself. That yeah. He doesn't, and and we've learned that he treats people the way he does because he doesn't want them to get close to him. Right. He only gets close to fish and sea life because they accept him for what he is. That's why he, he treats people the way he does. That's why he, he doesn't want to really be intimate with women because he doesn't want them to see him as he is. When you take that into account, he's really, again, like Homelander, he, he has become this thing that is terrible, but there's reasons behind it. You know, he isn't the way he is because he's a mean person. He's the way he is because he really doesn't like himself. And for him, the good thing is the church is is helping him get to that point where he can accept himself for who he is. Now, he doesn't see that he's being manipulated, just like Homeland is being manipulated, and now he's being manipulated for the same reasons, because we don't really know what the church's goal is, what their end game is. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it becomes more clear to me why they chose who they chose for him as his wife is because they didn't want him being around someone who was super sexual. Like they do, they wanted him to be around someone who was more loving and wanted to be stable as opposed to someone who would have wondered when the, in an interview reached over and tried to give him a hand job under the table. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably another part of them rehabbing his image. And even though he didn't see it, and he probably, I think he, I don't even, it's weird that I don't think that he realizes that he's getting used like that right now. But I kind of, it, it seems like, I, it almost seems to me like he should 
realize like what are y'all doing like i want i want to do what i want to do it's like i want to pick i mean just the way she said it when he said well i thought it was my choice it's like she's like yes yeah, your choice and you're choosing her so at that point i'm surprised he wasn't like wait a minute but he really want this is the way to get him where he really wants and then Maeve comes and try and gives him another and gives him another, another, yeah. a, a whole other way of trying to get into back into the seven but that's going to be interesting to see how it was because I'm not even sure what she unless she's going to reveal the um like what happened on the plane but I don't think that's really going to hurt him enough to like do anything bad to the seven I don't know but the fact that she's starting to that she's reaching out now to people to like she's really gotten to the point where she's fed up with Homelander she's fed up with him trying to control her life to the point where now she wants to take him down it's interesting and I'm just wondering like who else is she going to reach out to I, I have a feeling Starlight is going to be on that list like she's going to go to Starlight and say hey I know that you are not 100% behind him. Let's team up. But, you know, I, I feel like we've kind of seen Maeve as this person who is, like, scared of Homelander. I think that's that's the way they've been trying to show her. But I think, like we said earlier, if anybody is going to be able to bring Homelander down, I think it's going to be her. You know, and Lori was saying in the last episode that, you know, she hasn't watched season one yet, but it's like we really, aside from super strength, we we really don't know much about Queen Maeve and her powers and exactly what it is she can do. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at the end of this all, she turns out to be one of the stronger, if not the strongest person in the group. And she's able to take Homelander down, but I don't know if she'll be able to do that now because Homelander has now allied himself with Stormfront. Right. And like well, I said, that's a deadly combination. Well, in, I know they're doing the TV show different from the comic book, but in the comic book, if I'm not mistaken, she is she is listed as the person like second to Homelander in durability and strength. Mm, okay. So she's like right below him. I mean, that's excluding his clones, but like right below him is her. So if there is anyone that's going to be able to, it would be her, you know. She's not as strong or she doesn't have as many powers as he has, but she's listed as number two. Right behind him. It might not do any damage. So it's a storm front. Here's my question. So is she listed number two because she actually is number two compared to him or is she listed as number two because they don't want him to know that she may be stronger than him? Hmm. That's possible. It's, I think I think it's the trilogy. Like they have in DC, uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Superman. Uh, you've got Superman first, you've got uh, Batman second, and you've got Wonder Woman who is sort of nebulously in between the two, but third. Mm -hmm. Years ago, they used to do the logo where they would have one, all three symbols on top of each other, and they would have that as the logo for a while. Right. And I think what the Wonder Woman, which is what Queen May reminds me of, is very much that type of a person where she has these powers and she could potentially be more powerful than Homelander, but most of the time she doesn't use a tenth of her strength because let's face it, if you think about it, Wonder Woman, if she really put her mind to it, she could kick Superman's butt. 
which right. she, I agree. She definitely, well, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say she definitely can kick Batman's butt, but that's a whole yeah. other discussion. Oh, yeah, but I, I think that Queen Mab is, oops, sorry. Sorry, I just spent the last three days reading Dresden Files. Uh, Queen, <laughs> Queen May, um, she, I, I think a lot of her deference to Homelander is because she wants to not necessarily protect herself, but protect uh, the people who she actually cares about. Because, I mean, again, another trope, if you're a, a, a non-superpower person, Lois Lane, and you're dating someone or you're married to someone who's a superpower, half of your life is worrying if the bad guy or the villain is going to come after you because you're with them. So right. I think that's part of her problem, and I didn't address it earlier, but uh, the thing about the way that they did her being outed, I thought it was actually pretty disgusting. I thought you have so little respect for what we're calling the number two suit in your, uh, in your roster, and you're going to basically treat her down to... Uh, uh, a little public uh, service announcement about being gay. I just thought it was disrespectful. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay, I think uh, we've discussed everybody in the seven except for Black Noir. And uh, uh, I, I was I was taking notes on this episode because, you know, that's what I do. And I just have one note here. Black Noir is a scary MF. Oh, yes. <laughs> if 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 Homelander is crazy, but Black Renard is scary. I, I'm just gonna say that. He's just yeah because you don't know, you can't see his face, you don't know what he's thinking, he doesn't say anything, he's just all action and he's he's just scary. It's like he walks in, he beats them all up, he's gonna kill him, and he's like Mr. Edgar says, you know, let him go. He's like, Okay, and he leaves. But, but is it is it just me or did that fight scene with Black Noir and Butcher? Am I the only person who felt like that felt personal? Like it seemed like no, it, it was it more did. than just it seemed like it was more than just him following orders. It seemed really personal. It did. And then I, I was looking at him and it's like he's almost the same size. They're like the same size, the same body type. I, I pray that he's not like a clone of Butcher who's given V. But, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, we've noticed that they mention little things in episodes and then it turns out to have a larger significance in future episodes. So the fact that they were talking about, you know, all of a sudden they mentioned, you know, we get to meet. Uh, Butcher's Aunt Judy and she mentions his brother and she talks about his brother and how his brother was the one who kind of could bring Butcher down from whatever ledge he was on and then we see this scene with Black Noir and you know like I said it felt very personal and I just thought it just kind of caught my eye that we see this intimate I guess is the best way I can put it this intimate fight between them in the same episode where they mentioned Butcher's brother, and I just kind of want to know if there's like, could Black War be Butcher's brother, or did he have something to do with Butcher's brother, or it's just, I feel like those two things are connected. Well, I'm going to say no, (laughs) because um, because I think that was more of a conversation about Huey. Okay. And and if anything, maybe something will be revealed about Huey. But I think 
Uh-huh. You remember in, in, I think in one of the previous podcasts we did, we talked about all the characters' motivations. And mm-hmm. Butcher's motivation is getting his wife back. Well, that was effectively taken away this last episode. Right. Which is why I have another note that he's being self-destructive because mm-hmm. he, his motivation is gone. I mean, he can't get her, you know, she's, she's chosen that life over him and, and he's done. And you kind of see that when he's in the mosh pit and he like starts to fight with someone, then he yeah. lets everybody beat his ass. Yeah, and even yeah. when Black Noir is there, um, and you know, he basically tells Huey that he's done, you know, he's tired of running, he just wants to lie down somewhere. He basically is he telling Huey that he wants to give up. Yeah, and and so by Aunt Judy talking to Huey about Lenny and Lenny coming up and how Huey looks like Lenny and Mother Milk telling butcher that Lenny is like his that that Huey is like his canary um that is sort of giving him back a motivation like there are people that I care about you know there are people that I need to help you know even in his his attempt to self-sacrifice he was trying to help them get away where before he just wanted to walk out and just give himself up right you know, at least at this point, he really was just trying to give them the opportunity to get away. And and I think it's more of that as opposed to it being connected to Black Noir. That, this is my opinion. I understand what you're saying and, and they do that, but I think it was more of a subtle way to to give the audience a way to see why Butcher would want to keep going. Because at this point, he has no reason to keep going. Right. Is, I mean, but I, I do understand where you're coming from. But I, I, I think um, um, having us have something to relate to Butcher, you know, trying to help Huey in. Huey yeah. is like his brother, and for him, he looks at Huey and he's like, "No, he doesn't look like Lenny," because he doesn't want that anymore. He doesn't want to care about anybody, but he's going to have to. Yeah. Okay, we'll look. We'll agree to disagree. I still think they have something to do with each other, but we'll agree to disagree. We'll see. I think I'm sure Lenny's going to come up somehow, even if like if there is something with Black and White that they're not. There's there's some connection there with him and Butcher that that they're not really showing us right now. But it's just, it's probably another one of those weird weird like blockbuster scenes that they're going to throw in there like they have been like the last two last couple episodes before so i can see it coming they didn't say what happened to lenny did they aunt judy just basically she talked about him in the past tense but we didn't find out exactly what happened to him right well uh, huey asked and they got cut off right she was about to say something and then bomb went off yeah okay okay huh Sean Ashmore. Yeah, see, this is such, this is such a teaser in here. It's like crazy, especially since going into the next episode. It's like, I was Lamplighter light in last season. They mentioned him, they mentioned I believe, him, but they never they never like we uh, never saw his face. We don't know him. who he who he was. So yeah. that lighter scene, and of course, again, the fact that they even mentioned, I th- I think they did mention Lamplighter in this episode, or I think it was last episode. Oh, with Frenchie. We haven't talked about any of the boys yet, but yeah, so we know that Lamplighter was the person who was the soup who killed Colonel Mallory's grandchildren, and Frenchie has some guilt over that, and we don't know why yet, but 
the fact that they're reintroducing who we're assuming is Lamplighter to this and he's working at this, you know, he's working in conjunction with Stormfront. We know that much. That's who he was, uh, she was talking on the phone to. And he's at this place called um, Sage Grove that was referenced in all of her emails when Starlight, uh, you know, hacked into her computer. So, now, no. I, I, I haven't done my rewatch of season one, but did they ever say why Lamplighter was removed from the seven? They did not. They did not? Okay. They did not. Because, okay, because if if he was removed because of, of the killing of Mallory's grandchildren, I'm just I'm just making a leap of logic. If that's why he was removed, um, or maybe he stepped down. Like maybe he just had a problem with having killed children, and he stepped down and left the seven. It it would seem to me that he would still be a part of Vought. So does that mean that Sage Grove is part of Vought? And if Sage Grove is part of Vought, then that's possibly where Stumfront has been this whole time. Right. Oh, you know, I didn't think about that. Huh. Like, like, maybe she wasn't being moved around. Maybe she was just there. And see, the thing is, we don't know what Sage Grove is yet. You know, yeah. but I and, mean, as far as Vought owning it, yeah. And, and, and when I watched this episode the first time around, I was thinking, is it possible the reason why she's really good at manipulating people is maybe she's like a doctor, of, maybe she's a psycho psychologist. You know, maybe she's a, a psychiatrist, or maybe she is someone who, who knows how to deal with people with mental problems. Because if that's the case, then it would be obvious why Vought would put her on the seven, because she's got a head case to deal with, and that's right. And he would be like the ultimate patient. But then, you know, then we have the end of the episode to deal with. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying. I mean, it. It, it seems like they're, everything is connected together. Like, Vault would have her at Sage Grove, where Lamplighter is, and if he has some psychological break because he kills some kids by accident, then that would seem logical that he would be at a psychiatric facility. Mm -hmm. You know, for maybe for people with superpowers who have done some bad things and they're there and she's the person who's in charge of keeping them there like she could have been the warden for all we know she's strong enough to deal right. with everybody i'm just saying i never i never, I never even really thought about it like that yeah i didn't either that's a good point hmm. yeah because that, that was my first thought like why would she be one why would she be why would lamplighter be there if he's lamplighter and then when you he's the one that killed the kids and well yeah he left but we don't know why he left the seven or if he left the seven because of what happened then that would make sense right yeah yeah i mean unless, that's even unless before, he... before seeing you know the, ne the next couple of episodes if you just up until that point it would make sense right unless he left the seven because he was in hiding because i mean colonel mallory is part of the cia so you've got this person who came into her home and killed her grandchildren. 
I would assume that the the person, you know, in charge of the CIA or whatever her position is, you know, she's pretty high up there. That's not the one, per that's not the person you want to piss off. Right, but she retired. She didn't try to hunt him down, mm -hmm. you know? She, she immediately, she, she left the CIA after that. She stopped dealing with the suits in that situation because of what it cost her. She didn't hunt him down for revenge. Hmm. Hmm. That's something to think about. I did not look at it like that, you know, to think, okay, that might be why he's there. And of course, now knowing that Stormfront is in touch with him, there has to be some kind of history there. Mm -hmm. So she could have been treating him, you know. That's really interesting. And, but the, and the way Vault works and the way Homelander works, that if that is indeed what happened, they wouldn't make it publicly known why he left the seven right he could have just left because you know he needed to take some time or spend more time with the family you know what i'm saying they're not gonna tell everyone that oh yeah he killed some kids and he's really feeling bummed about it right or you know they they could have spun it a different way you know the seven is all about numbers and you know, their standings and all of that stuff. And they could have said that, oh, you know, he wasn't meeting his quota or whatever, mm -hmm. his, his stats. And that's why we replaced him. And, you know, it could have been that too. So, I mean, I know we find out more, but up to but this point. Up, up to this point, those to me seem to be logical conclusions you could reach. I never would have thought to put together that Stormfront might have been a doctor. And that is really scary to think about. <laughs> Think about it. If she's been around for as long as we think she has, think about all the super she's encountered, all the things that she's done. Um, and as strong as she is, who better to to put in charge of supers who can't control their powers or supers who don't know what they they need to do? It's someone who can keep them in line and keep them in that one place they need to keep them. And it would it would lead to her ability to talk to like kind of you to kind of get into the super the soup's minds to see where they're at mm -hmm. and it, it, it leads to how she's talking to homelander and talking to all of the other members of the seven to kind of see where see what they're doing mm. and to see see where their heads are at like she has to have a background in that kind of thing so it, it, it would it would it would lead to her being able to um figure out something like that to 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 figure out how to be able to talk to them and get inside their head and see what's going on and see what they if they need to be what what needs to happen to them right Laurie, were you trying to say something well, no, I, I was mumbling and agreeing i'm going yeah you know you're right she is very very savvy and if she is as old as we think she is she is really good on social media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my 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 relatives who are older, they they can barely send out a tweet, and she's up there talking about platforms and doing this and doing that. And so you're right; she is proving to be somebody who is very smart, very astute, and obviously has been doing this type of thing for for decades almost. Right? She's just. She just knows exactly how to do just the right thing at the right time. That's my take. Yeah. Sounds about right. I'm, I'm I, now really like curious to see if Anthony's theory is correct. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Because it kind it kind of makes me since I've already seen the next episode, it kind of makes things that happen in that episode make a little more sense. Like it does. I can't wait to talk about that episode. No. <laughs> all right. I think we look. I think we've tackled all of the soups. So we need to get into Butcher and his game because these guys, Butcher is self-destructive. Huey is. <laughs> I, I don't know. Did, did you look? You didn't get splattered with blood this time. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. This, and I'm trying to remember. I don't think he got splattered with blood the last episode either. We're two for two. Wait a minute. Uh oh. Let's see. We'll see. It was replaced. So I guess so now we're getting either either kinky Homelander sex things or Huey blood splatter. So I guess we have to kind of choose Right. Did he not get blood splattered last time? I don't think so. Oh, he didn't because they were on the road looking for looking into stuff about liberty. Right. So they they didn't have any violence that happened to them. Um, you know, they witnessed some with the with the car with the truck accident, but no, he so this is two for two for Huey. Yay. Yeah, so butcher self destructive. Huey is trying to i i like this episode because you got to see a little bit more like butcher was still his he was still his cruel self a little bit when talking to huey but you kind of saw a little bit of that wall fall a little you know just a bit you know and and we see i think huey is kind of maybe having a little bit of an impact on butcher and we saw MM was not taking Butcher's bullshit this this episode. Can, can we talk about MM for a second? What we, when he, he was, was watching Outlander. <laughs> that <laughs> made me so happy. I'm a huge Outlander fan, so the fact when I heard Claire's voice, I was like, "What? What is this gold that is on my TV screen right now?" That was that was like amazing. But yes, go ahead. Well, well, when he was like, "I'm not moving." And he said, well, don't make me move you. And then Ms. Mick was like, well, good luck with that with me. Right. He was he like, he was like you may be able to move him, but try that with me. I was like, oh, okay. He said that with a is lot of confidence. A, right. He's like officially done with Butcher's bullshit. <laughs> so what? what is Mother Milk, is, is he like this brilliant strategist? Is that his thing? Is he the one coming in with all the plans? You know, I, it just seems like, like I know Frenchie seems to be like the underworld. He can kind of track people and kind of stay in the shadows. Yeah. But Mother's Milk, he, he knows these things and he comes up with these plans and he's looking at schematics. Is, is strategy his thing? I would think so. I mean, just the fact that he was able to determine where Butcher was just because Huey heard a dog toy in the background. Right. Okay. Like, I, I would think that he he probably maybe has an intelligence background. And, you know, like you said, he's a strategist. He, he figures out the best way to do things, which, you know, we've already said Butcher is not the best planner of, uh, you know, he doesn't plan the best missions. He doesn't make the best. Yeah, he's. He, yeah, he'd rather use a hammer than a scalpel, right? Or his fists. 
Yeah. yeah so th that would make sense. MM seems to be the one that makes everybody kind of think through. I mean, even with Frenchie, with Hue Huey, um, Huey has good ideas, but he doesn't necessarily know how to follow through on them because okay. he's not used to this life. So it's kind of like he has the makings of a good plan, but I think MM is the one who kind of says, okay, this is how we're going to follow through. And usually when they do things MM's way, they aren't as disastrous as Butcher being in charge, which is probably why Butcher put MM in charge when he left in the first place. Or tried to. Try, tried to. Uh, I, think, I think that this shows that MM, as much as he doesn't really want to, he's kind of sliding into a leadership role, even though he's been trying to put it off and put it off and not want to do, and not want to be termed a leader because he doesn't want that responsibility. He just really wants to get back to his family and get all this shit over with. He's like, please, just, I don't, I don't want to lead, just tell me what to do and I'll get it done. But now, I mean, him, him standing in Butcher's way shows that he's taking on a little bit of a leadership role in this, saying that Look, we're all in this together. You need to stay, you need to do this with us. So I mean, it's it's something that against against his will, maybe he's becoming that guy, and it'll be interesting to see if if it actually develops that way. If cause I think like I think like we like we said before, Butcher is kind of on a self destructive tangent right now. Like he, it'll be interesting to see like how he it either gets off it or succeeds in destroying himself then but i mean i think i think that this really gets it really puts a good puts a good puts mother's milk in a position of authority in the group yeah and i think he's probably stepping up too because even though he doesn't want to i mean let's all face it as long as butcher has getting becca back on his brain he's not reliable to the rest of the team you know, because it's all about Becca. It's all about what he wants. And even, even towards the end of this episode, you know, when he was talking to his dog Terror, he basically told her, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring your mom back." So his renewed sense of, okay, well, I don't want to die. I don't want to give up. Also renewed his sense of, I've got to get my wife back. Now, how he's going to accomplish that, especially with the things that he said to her about her son in the last episode, I don't know. But he, he hadn't thought that through. I, I, again, again, butcher. <laughs> you know, he doesn't plan those types of things. So I don't know. Uh, I, was, I was trying to see what other note I had about the boys. Um, what's the name? We got about Frenchie and yeah, yeah Frenchie and Kimiko. Um, she she's definitely I was thinking she was Wolverine, but she's definitely X twenty three. Man, oh my gosh, the way she just peeled that face and and the and the thing was he walked up to her and he like you know put his hand on her face and lifted her face up and he just looked at her and he turned around to his friends and he was like, this one's not right in the head, like <laughs> like. He looked at her and saw that, and then she just peels this guy. Like, he looks like yeah, Harvey yeah. Dent after she was done with him. Right. <laughs> no, she, she's as scary as Black Noir. I think, I think she's scarier than him because they're kind of similar, 
because they don't speak. They're very stealthy. Like Kimiko, she can sneak around. She can get into places. She can kind of, she can sneak up behind you. She can surprise you. And then she just like, she, she peels one guy's face off. I think she breaks the spine of another guy completely in half by bending him backwards. And then she jams a gun into the third guy's face. Like, and Frenchie is just still following her. Like he knows what she is capable of, but he's still, he's still trying to protect her, which is hilarious. But I think it's also sweet. Again, Frenchie's my favorite character. So, you know, him finding her and finding out that she is basically she's working she's working as a killer for hire i mean she doesn't have any other outlet for her anger right now she doesn't have any other outlet for her grief over her brother being murdered and i guess taking out other bad guys is kind of a a middle ground i mean i don't know why frenchie seems so surprised about that given what their group as a whole does but the fact that he's concerned about her and he says, this is not good for your soul. He says something like that. He says, believe me, I know. That again tells me that there's more about Frenchie's past that we're not privy to and something that kind of motivates him. Yeah, and, like, his, and his relationship with, with, the, with, the, with the other girl that, that gave Kamiko. Right. And I think, and that comes up. God, that next episode's going to, I think next uh, I can't wait to get to the next episode. The next episode is so good and kind of it tie, it ties up a couple of loose ends that we're, yeah. that we're looking for. Yeah, I think that is. I mean, this is just. I feel I felt bad for Frenchie because it's like Kamiko ends up cussing him out and telling him that he doesn't need him in sign language, and then Frenchie's like, "I don't know what you're saying because you won't teach me." And I and I so felt sad. so sad. I was like, "Oh," but it's like. I mean, you're on ASL. Like you can. Oh well, no, I take that. I take that back because she's probably not speaking. She's English. not. It, it's it's, not um, it's a made-up language that she and her brother um, made, and I even read something in another article where they've taken like bits and pieces. But because I, I don't think she's always been that way. I think, okay. I think Kenji. I think when they were on the boat. Uh, two episodes ago and Frenchie was trying to reach out to Kenji to kind of learn how to communicate with her. Kenji said something about the night that the Shining Light Army came and took them from their village and killed their parents. That was when she stopped speaking. So I don't think it's that she, maybe not that she can't speak, but she won't. Or maybe she, maybe there's some kind of mental block where she's just forgotten how. But she hasn't always been that way. So that that was just a language that she and her brother developed between each other. And that's why Frenchie reached out to him and was like, will you teach me? And Kenji basically just spat in his face and he was like, no, fuck you. I'm I'm not teaching you. But it's it's sad because it keeps, even though Kimiko has been treated as part of the team, it still keeps her isolated because she can't really communicate with with any of them. She doesn't she doesn't know how to read, she doesn't know how to write. Like she's still learning basic words that we learned in elementary school that we learned in kindergarten. She's still learning that. So she's really she really is isolated and alone and it's probably why she was able to um you know why she took the assignments from the Albanians to go and kill these people. And I think it was really shitty of Chloe, uh, Chloe to kind of bring her into that because 
Kimiko wouldn't have known anything about Chloe. And the only reason why she knows about Kimiko is because of her relationship with Frenchie. So mm -hmm. for her to take that confidence, you know, with Frenchie and then turn it to her advantage to where she can get a, a cut of the commissions for what Kimiko is doing, I think that's really crappy. Oh, 100%. I mean, she totally took advantage of her and is... I think she's doing. I think she's doing it as a way to kind of get back at Frenchie too. Like she's using Kamiko in order to really, I mean, like for whatever their backstory is. I think she's using her in a way to hurt him, and that's a really and yeah, that's a really shitty thing to do. Or she's trying to make him see that Kimiko is not like she says. She's not. She's not a hurt kitten. She's not someone who needs protecting. She's not someone that you know. She's someone who can take care of herself and she's someone who can step up and do what she needs to do and she needs to do it. But, you know, it, it just sucks that it's in this way because I really want her to get her revenge on her brother's killing, but that's going to be kind of hard to do at this point. I don't know. Yeah, especially going up against, I mean, she has to figure out, hey, um, she really needs the boys to help her, to, she needs the boys' help to figure out how to get back at Stormlander because she's seen things seen that she can't take her single-handedly like she can't go at her like she does everything else because stormfront's too strong and stormfront will more more likely than not kill her i don't know if she sneaks up on stormfront i think that's game game over yeah, yeah, but that's, but that's <laughs> the point. Like, I, I don't think i don't think she has the the mental acuity to figure out a way to sneak up on her i think that because you saw at the at the rally that Stormfront was at, she was just going to storm up on stage and try to kill her. Right. Not going to work with Stormfront. She didn't have a plan where she was going to like wait for her to walk somewhere and come around the corner and, and rip her head off. She was just going to go up there guns blazing and try to kill her again, but that's not going to work. So she kind of needs Frenchie and all them to help her figure out some way to get back there. But in order to do that, she's going to have to figure out She's gonna have to let them into her world and teach them how to communicate with her effectively. Because if they can't communicate with her, they can't plan anything. Right. I don't know. I think I I think I don't know. It's like she's she's such a strong character in this show, and I think it kind of sucks that they're not. I feel like they're not using her in the best way in relation to the team and in relation to the story overall. I just feel like there's more that they could be doing, and I'm sure there there probably is more coming. I mean, at at this point, this is still episode five. We still have five more episodes, so there's still a lot of time for them to make her character more central to the story and more involved. But I just feel like she's kind of in limbo right now. I can't believe it's almost over. Fight scene, though. Fight scene was awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I love the face thing. It was awesome. No, it was awesome. And, I, you know, like I said, her character is really strong. I just don't feel like she's being used enough. I, I think, I think part of that for her is how they're really trying more than they need to to make her and Frenchie have a connection. I think that's the storytelling of of the character tying in her to him more than than they really need to at this point. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. But yeah, no, she that that was probably one of my top ten comic book fights scenes ever. I want to see her and Black Noir go at it. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be. That, that well, would we be saw a little bit of it last season. 
Yeah, but I want to see like a full knockdown drag out. Like, no, that'd be insane. Because I mean, I didn't realize until this episode that she was also, um, I, I guess, invincible. I because I completely forgot that the the third guy was shooting at her and she just kept walking. I completely forgot about that. So I'm like, oh wait, like, do we even know for sure that we know the extent of what her powers are? I think she, I think she's supposed to be like Wolverine. She has a, a high healing factor. Okay. She can get hurt. She just heals very quickly. Okay. And she has a high pain threshold. She just doesn't have the claws. Doesn't have a claws. So you can't tell ripping people's faces off and heads off. Right. Like for real, like she does. She dug her fingernails deep into his face. I don't remember what what show or movie it was, but someone was like. Do you know how strong you have to be to rip someone's head off? That requires a lot of strength. So I think she has a little bit of super strength as well. Oh, she. I mean, she has to to be able to mangle human bodies the way she does. I mean, yeah. Right. I don't recall. Does she have a telekinesis like her brother did, or no? I don't think so. No. Okay. Okay. I hope they do more with her this season. Yeah. Because she's she's a great character. She um, I think she brings she brings a level of humanity to the guys. Even though Butcher really doesn't have anything to do with her, the fact that she's a soup and she is still allowed to remain as part of that team, I think that kind of speaks a lot to what she brings to the team. You know, she kind of humanizes them. Like they're they've been so you know with Butcher, he's been so hell bent on killing soups and you know, destroying them and taking down Bot, and then you have a, a soup right here in your midst that all of the guys seem to care about. I just, I want her to, I want her to be more. He seems to be more okay with her than he is with Starlight. You know, but then Starlight is like the poster child for Vought. Yeah, but I also think, too, that's probably because I, I think deep down, Billy realizes that Kimiko didn't have a choice. Like once they fi- once they found out who she was and what was done to her, you know, like she was literally taken by force and injected with Compound V and turned into this thing that she has become. Starlight, I think he looks at as part of the problem. You know, granted, she had no control over being a soup because that was something her parents decided for her when she, you know, before she was born or when she was a young child. But she's still part of that system that he associates with the problem. Whereas Kimiko you're, you're, is just. You're giving Butcher too much credit because he doesn't apply that same logic to Becca's son. I think that's different, though, because there's a personal connection there. You know, like this is Becca's son. This is his wife, not not ex-wife, not former wife. This is his current wife's son that is not his child. And this is also a son that is a reminder of the fact that he has been without this wife for eight or nine years. He thought she was dead and he is the product of a rape. So I think that has a more personal connection for Butcher and what and it's why he can't accept Ryan the way that Becca wants him to, because it's too personal and he he represents too much pain that Butcher has had to go through for the last eight or nine years. You know, with Kimiko is is something different. This is somebody they literally just picked up off the street. You know, she's in in the group. 
this is something that she has no control over. This is something that they that the group that had her made her into. And granted, it's the same thing with Ryan. Like he's a kid, he's innocent, but there's still that fact that he is the product of a rape that happened to Butcher's wife. And they are, you know, it, it's that's not something he can get rid of like he wanted to. He thought he really thought Becky was gonna leave this child behind and run away and be with him. And he sees now that that's not gonna happen. If he wants to be with his wife, this child is going to be a part of the equation. So I I think it's I think it's a lot different for him. Okay. Still. <laughs> Ryan didn't choose to be that way. He didn't. He didn't. And I'm not saying that he did, but it's, it, you're talking about an innocent child and a grown man who is filled with hate, filled yeah, he's, with. He's broken. There's, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot wrong with the butcher. Right. I yeah. thought about it last night after, after we got the recording, and I was talking to Mark about it, and we both sort of agreed he will never ever accept that child even if that child turns out to be literally superman i mean we're talking all goodness and light and love wrapped up in a bow he will never accept that child because i don't see that happening either uh, he's, uh, he's got so much hatred for suits that it would be it would literally take a miracle or an act of god right the kid looks like a good kid yeah, and the other thing is when when Becca and Butcher reunited and she was trying to, she was basically trying to, I guess it, it was almost like she was trying to not necessarily sell her child on him, but she made the comment, I know that you hate kids, but he's a good kid. And so you take this hatred he already has for the situation and for the circumstances of this child's, you know, birth, and then you put it in, in a child, which... Uh, apparently butcher has never wanted children or whatever so you put those two things together and i just like you said laura i just don't see i don't see that one big happy family thing happening with butcher and ryan right right yeah even if even if there's a situation where he saved butcher's life and he saves his mom's life and he kills homelander it's like butcher's still going to be like uh... yeah i don't yeah I don't, yeah, I don't see that happening. Speaking of Butcher, I, I, you know, one of the notes, I, I started taking notes as well. Um, and, and one of the things that I wrote, I said, is this the record number of the use of the word cunt in a show? I thought the same thing. <laughs> I, I have the same notes, the exact same note. <laughs> I need to go back and write down the number because I swear there was one scene where Butcher said it like three times. When, when he was fighting Black Noir. Yeah, I was like, really? This is your yeah. favorite word. Like, this <laughs> is a cut. Oi, oi. Right. Like, this is the episode where if you had to do a drinking game, I think everyone would have alcohol poisoning by the end of the episode. Can't deal with that. Serving gods might outdo them for that on that word. Oh. There was one. Yeah. Of Leprechaun. Mad Sweeney. Yes. I think, I think he beat him. Maybe. You know what? (laughs) I'm going to actually look that up and I will let you guys know in the next episode. I want to (laughs) know who has, because, you know, we know that that's, that's one of Butcher's like keywords. I mean, I saw, um, I saw an interview that Carl Urban did where he said that it's, it's weird because now when he has fan encounters, you know, people will come up to him at conventions and fan events and the number one request is that, you know, they're like, will you call me a cunt? 
And he said, it's the weirdest thing because that's not something you would think that somebody wants to be called, but it's, it's so funny to hear him say it. And like, he said it, there was a barrage of, you know, there was a barrage of it in this episode. And I literally got to the point where I was like, do I need to count how many times he said this? But <laughs> it it's so funny. I just thought I'd mention that because I literally wrote a, a, a note about that because it was just so much. And it, it was, it's one of those where when he says it periodically through an episode, it's almost kind of like you, you tune it out now because you're used to that word coming out of his mouth. But to hear it like five, six, seven times within a three-minute scene, it's just something to it's take ridiculous. note of. Yeah, you, when you black it out, but then you notice it, you're like, wait, how many times did you say it? And right. then you're watching it with subtitles and you see, cunt, cunt, cunt. Wait, okay, wait a second, dude. Right. Is that the only words you know? But, you know, that that's his key word. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think we covered everything. Anybody have anything else? I think that's it for me. I think we did. Yeah, I think we did. Did did a reasonably good job on that. So, I guess we will uh, we'll go ahead and cut it here. Um, If you have any questions or comments, you can find us at fandomhybrid.com. You can also find us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at fandomhybrid. We are also now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. So check us out there. Subscribe. Leave us some comments. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye.